Welcome back to Let Me Tell You About Homestuck. I had about another episode's worth of audio here, and I decided that instead of sitting on it for a whole week, I'd just do two episodes this week, because why the fuck not? Let's learn about WV. Mike, what's the first command? Wayward Vagabond, retreat dot dot dot. Got him already. Examine the rotten pumpkin. What pumpkin? He ate it. Oh. Check the little red bar. It appears to be a gauge for a large power cell. Perhaps fueled by some type of nuclear reaction. If this is the case, it's relatively low on fuel. But who knows how long it's been running here. You don't care about this sort of nonsense and will disregard it at once. You're very hungry. Capture log, can of gravy. Capture log? You have no idea what that means. It's total nonsense and you don't know what to make of it. You'll not give the foolish notion a second thought. Pick up the can of gravy. Just, just, just pick it up. You just pick it up. You're now holding the can of gravy. Use sharp teeth to poke a hole in the lid of the can. Your teeth are useless for this task. They're blunt, like that of livestock, presumably suitable for mashing up plant matter and not for puncturing metal. Attempt to open can with your weak, pathetic digits. Your weak, pathetic digits are not strong enough to penetrate the can. Your fingers are certainly pointy enough, and your black carapace is suitably rigid, but you just don't have enough muscle for the task. Take the can labeled beans. Okay, you take that too. Examine can of custard. The can clearly reads mustard, a fact of which you were perfectly well aware. It's sort of cumbersome holding all these cans at once. You doubt you can hold many more than this. Maybe one or two. You'll need to find something to put stuff in if you want to carry a lot of things around. Examine marking on wrist. You drop all the cans and take a look at your wrist. Next. It's a sort of specialized barcode pattern. This brings back unpleasant memories, and you'd prefer not to dwell on it. So the barcode looks like a chessboard. And if you remember back to Nana's explanation of what Skya is, there is a chessboard at the center of it. Hmm. Hmm. Examine the small potted plant. What plant? He's gonna, he's gonna eat every plant now? This is the, this is the plant? Well, yeah, well, he mentioned that he's got kind of herbivore teeth. He likes eating vegetables. <sighs> what a fucking weirdo. Checkbook on human etiquette. Perfect. It appears half the pages of this book have been eaten. The daunting volume is considerably lighter than it once was. Next. You're somewhat skeptical about the nutritional value contained by these pages. However, of the practical wisdom they contain, there can be little doubt. You've learned so much. Clear out all the cans inside the purple machine. You empty the peculiar cabinet and take a quick inventory of your canned goods. You have beans, mustard, gravy, bread, shrimp, asparagus, cheese, rice, corn, peas, flour, chestnuts, mayo, ham, potatoes, and squash. Such bountiful plenty. And yet the delights taunt you from within their small metal prisons. Search room for can opener. You've already looked all over the place for a can opener, even making a few electronic inquiries about one, to no avail. Nothing else inside the purple thing, either. Locate a nearby sharp object. You wield your trusty knife. It's actually, uh... You're not sure what they're called. It's an old, rusted, one of those mailbox arm swing flappy doodads. Either for letting you know there's mail in the box, or maybe for alerting the mailman to outgoing mail to be collected. Y you don't know, really. You've wrapped a little piece of cloth around it for the grip. It's useless for opening cans. Be the imp. This means nothing to you. You're not an imp, 
You have no idea what an imp is, and you will not entertain such frivolous and childish ideas ever again. You feel stupid and hate yourself a little for even considering it. So that that page, just to go just little little hit you with a little trivia here. Okay. Is uh, a bunch of people on the MSPA forums thought that the Wayward Vagabond was one of the imps from John's game. And this page is basically making fun of everyone who thinks that. Okay. I could because see. Because it's not the same size as one at all. Well, people grow, Luke. Well, but imps don't. What if they were babies? What if the bad guys in Spurb use child soldiers? And well, fair enough. But the point is that, yeah, he's not an imp. You know what he is? What is he? Become the mayor of Camtown. As the glorious founder and mayor of Cantown, you erect a dignified, majestic city hall out of cans, fittingly capped off with a tome of good manners for the roof. You've given yourself a very official and important-looking mayoral sash made out of old cables to complete your look of authority. A number of rather civic-minded citizen cans gather in front of the building to offer adulation to their fair and magnanimous leader. All is well. I love it. I love it. It's great. The mayor of Cantown. Oh, next. You immerse yourself in this beautiful dream as you whittle away the minutes, or perhaps hours. You love the idea of being a mayor. You love everything about mayors, and the concept of an orderly civil democracy. It all seems so mannerly and reasonable to you. Everyone is friendly and happy, and the city runs like clockwork. The foundation of the government is based on mutual respect between the leader and its people. It is also built on having a really great mayor that everyone loves, who's totally amazing and heroic and brave. Next. Mayors are so much better than kings. You hate kings, and you think kings are really stupid. They're petty, bossy tyrants, and are really full of themselves, and are basically awful in every way. God, do you hate kings? Oh, so he's definitely from the chessboard. Right, because he hates kings. And if he hates kings, he's probably a pawn. Yeah, now we're we're thinking. Oh, wordplay. Thinking with fractions. Explore west of Cantown. Over here is the other side of the room. There's another one of those purple storage boxes and some useless objects scattered on the floor. Use the glowing green rock to open the cans. You pick up the nugget of uranium and... Ah, that was so stupid. Why would you do that? Looks like a plant. Yeah, it's green, which is good enough for him. (laughs) Examine the box of crayons. It's chalk, numbnuts. Next. Inside the box, there are 12 (laughs) pieces of chalk in every color of the... 10 pieces of chalk in most colors of the rainbow. You're excited by this. Try to open the storage box. It's locked. There must be some sort of release mechanism for this thing. Examine contents of yellow container. Literally an adventure game right now. Yep. Well, yeah, that's what Homestuck is based on. The container is full of motor oil. This does not seem useful to you right now. Rescue that poor lightning bug. There's nothing you can do for this new little friend. Attempting to crush the amber encasing the firefly would likely cause it harm. It nevertheless bravely flashes on. You find its light alluring inspiring. To you, it seems as if it could quite easily serve as the light of... Next. Democracy. (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. (laughs) I love it so much. You can't begin 
You cannot begin to imagine, Luke, how much I like this. It's oh, I can because I like it just as much. Use the chalk to draw some roads. You sketch a handsome network of sprawling thoroughfares for your citizens to traverse. The adoring population applauds its mayor's keen instincts for city planning. You even add some lush vegetation to your city with a piece of blue chalk, because you can't seem to find a more suitable color for some reason. Lay a chalk foundation for Cantown's civic growth. You develop westward, settling these fertile plains and claiming them for your city. You section off a number of residential and commercial zones for civic growth, arranged in the only logical pattern that occurs to you. You color the residential zones with your piece of white chalk, but for some reason, none of the colors in the box strike you as suitable for the commercial zones. Perhaps there's an alternative. You oh no. Use your own pee for the commercial zones. You cannot urinate because you have not had anything to drink in quite some time. You're very thirsty. Also, that's a really terrible idea, and you would not consider befouling your wonderful city in that way for even a moment. Use motor oil to designate commercial zones. You fill each empty square with a bit of motor oil to complete the zoning. It looks rather striking to you. You can hardly imagine that an up-and-coming young can trying to make it in the world would not be delighted to live in your fair district. You're very careful not to get any of the unpleasant fluid on your person. Peel label from can of mayo and affix to sash. Also, something to note, too, you know, he's got that thing of motor oil, and oil is getting all over John's house from those imps. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah. I was thinking about it. Uh-huh. Anyway. He, he feels off the mayo label and adds an R to it. I love it. I love his sash. Survey <laughs> survey surroundings in search of more terrain for city. It seems you've run out of territory for your western expansion. But there's still a lot of empty wall space. Perhaps your citizens would be happier with a colorful backdrop that would make them feel more at home. I would just like to say that I don't generally get behind cosplay and i think all the pictures of home stuck cosplay that you've shown me are a little weird but if enough people put money into a fund i for the sake of being raising money i would dress up those wayward vagabond yeah for like <laughs> penny arcade expo i would i would go and go all out for the costume Just... oh man next <laughs> Using most of your imagination and an entire piece of sky blue chalk, you render a bright and cheerful sky full of clouds. You've decided that very closely orbiting your city is a luminous planet, about which orbits a single moon. You switch to another shade of blue and continue rendering on the western wall. Next. Orbiting much further from your city are four planets. None of these have satellites, you've decided. Yes. That makes sense, you think. Notice that one of the planets is soaked in oil. See that. Hmm. Next. And on the southern wall, beyond an impenetrable veil of darkness, occupying the furthest orbit yet, there is an ominous planet. A moon circles this one, too. Check the rampaging boy on the screen. Ah, uh, yeah. It's that guy. You'd almost forgotten about him and his confusing shenanigans. It seems like he has things well in hand at the moment. He doesn't appear to need your help, and you've already concluded that he can't help you. At least for the time being. Turn on the other three screens. You have no idea how to turn these on. 
There's no mouse for this weird quadra-monitored computer. It can only be operated through text commands from its keyboard. Perhaps there's a special key or command which will allow you to switch to another monitor? Press tab. Press is tab. Next. And the last thing opens up and it's full of tab. Love it! Uh, uh, <laughs> this is just so this is such good news for Cantown. Next. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Consume several cans. <laughs> you free the heavenly brown elixir from the jewels of pink carapace and imbibe like the wind. It's so sweet and sugary. You wonder how so much sugar can fit in one can. Whatever mighty wizard concocted this potion is truly deserving of your fear and respect. Welcome the rest of the city. The tabs are naturalized as loyal new citizens of Cantown. All cans are welcome and equal in your city, regardless of can content and whether empty or full. It's not like emptying a can kills it or anything. They're just cans, after all. Correct. Hit escape. Feeling refreshed and heavily caffeinated, you go back to work on the big computer. You hit escape, which seems to minimize the action window thingy and reveals a history of all the commands you've entered. Next. These are just all of the commands we've watched him enter. You use the arrow key to scroll up a bit. You can't believe how much you've already typed into this stupid contraption. What a waste of time. Next. You scroll all the way up to your first command. It looks like there are more commands above it. Maybe someone was entering commands on this thing before you? There aren't many more. At the top of this list appears to be the very first command. Hmm. Type switch to. You activate screen two. The signal is garbled and you have no idea what you're looking at. Some sort of filthy beggar pleading for help? No one's around and nothing is happening. You seem to be locked out of any sort of interaction with whatever's happening on this monitor. Switch three. It's another one of those rapscallions. <laughs> this monitor is locked too. You can't tell him what to do. Not that you really want to, since it just looks like more confusing nonsense to you. You consider switching to screen four, but decide against it. You have a feeling that whatever's there would just confuse you even more, and you don't really care all that much anyway. So the listeners know that this is our second go at this now, right? Yes. Okay. Congratulations, listeners. We've now hit the point where I don't remember a damn thing about what we're doing because I was definitely <laughs> sleeping through all of this. <laughs> well, no, this was like early. This was like at 2 p.m. because this was from the eight hour day. Luke, I was sleeping at 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if you look, uh, that's clearly Dave with his sprite. Yeah, and but it's been prototyped with the bird that he impaled. It's been prototyped. Yeah. And I like remember that happening later on, but I don't yeah. remember seeing that here. Type home. Hmm. All four screens activate. Together they display a countdown, starting at four hours and 13 minutes. Just like the podcast. Type reboot. And hope the popular show comes up on screen. <laughs> you can't. Nothing's working anymore. The oh, timer no. seems to have disabled the keyboard. Oh no. oh, no. Be the mayor. Enough of this nonsense. You're an important mayor, and this absurd contraption has wasted enough of your time. You've got a city to govern with a carapist fist. Which is to say firm, yet polished, and supple as the situation commands. Anyway, this will help you kill some time while you wait for that clock to count down. I love all the drawings. Yes. Create employment opportunities for the citizen camp. 
You temporarily dismantle City Hall to free up all the can power available to create a vigilant town militia. You divide them into two groups, marking them with distinct teams and ranks using the piece of white chalk and the motor oil. You then organize them in phalanx across the countryside, preparing for a stiff training regiment. When you're through with them, your forces will be a well-oiled machine. Chalk another one up to bold leadership. I like how he fit oil and chalk in there. <laughs> he made... He made a, made a chessboard. He did. He's supposed to hate those. No, he hates kings. He didn't say anything about hating chessboards. He just made two kings. Yeah. He did, that's true. Lead your men to victory. This is the only thing that makes sense to him. I guess. There's <laughs> chess against himself. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I like when he rooks it and he just kicks the, he kicks the castle onto the king. To, yeah. Oh my god. This is so great. This is WV pretty, is the best. This is pretty great. Mourn the loss of Citizen Tap. Hold on, it's not over. Oh. It keeps going. Oh my god, there's a lot to this, eh? Yeah. Oh, checkmate. You waste more than four hours on this tomfoolery. And the game ended at 4.13. Mm-hmm. More than the loss of Citizen Tab. Citizen Tab. Your caffeinated jittering must have agitated all the little bubbles curiously hidden in the liquid, creating too much pressure in the can. You speculate this is why it exploded as you nervously eye the timer. You're starting to wonder what'll happen when it reaches zero. Maybe it would be best to be not near it when this happens. Minutes in the future. Though perhaps not as few as implied by circumstance, a peregrine mendicant trundles precious cargo beneath the gleam of the celestially ominous. So we've got another one of these people with a shopping cart full of mailboxes. There's something in the sky above her. It appears to be a star. It does. Go outside and get some sun. E.D. You say a bittersweet goodbye to your beloved city. It's time to move on to greener pastures. By which, of course, you mean an arid, sandy wasteland upon which nothing green has grown in years. Next. The door shuts behind you. A panel on the door becomes illuminated. As you ponder over the marks on the panel, you hear another mechanical sound overhead. Next. Uh-oh. That's bad. Next. The LCD panel appears to have a touchscreen interface. Curiously prod the funny-looking spirograph. It appears the funny-looking spirograph room is locked. Next. I assume we're going to hit the other room. The floor rotates a full 360 degrees beneath you, while the surrounding wall seems to stay put. Select the triangly fractal. The triangly fractal room does not appear to be locked. Next. Rotate to the triangle factory room. The floor turns 120 degrees and the door opens. Next. You go through the door to find another room. It's the same size as the other one you just wasted all that time in, while a clock was ticking down to something which may or may not be your doom. Maybe there's something in here that'll help you escape. Against the wall, there's another perplexing contraption. Next. Against the opposite wall is some sort of control panel which catches your eye. It has two large screens, but only one appears to be active. There are fields for numbers which appear to be modifiable with the dials to the right. Some numbers are already supplied by default, perhaps entered by the previous user. There are a few buttons below, the largest one bearing the symbol marking this room. 
Also, it looks like there's a meter stick propped up there for some reason. Attach your trusty knife to the meter stick. You immediately craft a measuring spear through possibly the most advanced form of alchemy employed thus far. This is obviously the most important thing to do first. Obviously. Next. Or it would obviously be the most important thing to do if you'd remember to bring your trusty knife. You feel so insecure without your trusty knife. It makes you want to slit your wrists. Or at the very least, flog your carapace with some sort of measuring apparatus. Let's just spank himself. No, fl- flog your... Like, beat beat yourself. He wants to just smack himself with the stick. Oh, that's dumb. That would hurt. Don't make it dirty. Look at the other wall. You examine the perplexing contraption across the room. You, of course, have no idea what it could possibly do. You adopt the only obvious course of action, which is to poke and prod it with your handy ruler. You're quite sure this is what science is all about. It's not wrong. As a scientist, I can confirm. Mm-hmm. Press the triangle pattern. You go back to the control panel, which probably obviously controls that gizmo, and you push the big blue button, which is obviously probably the most obvious thing to push. Next. You purify a pumpkin. Hmm. With a weird symbol on it. Yeah. Examine the pumpkin. It seems this mysterious gourd was transported, a purified, from a specific time and location somewhere on this planet you're on. You wonder if the machine, a purifier, will take any object that exists at whatever time and location you supply. There's a symbol carved on the pumpkin. You don't know what it means, and you doubt it will ever prove to be relevant in any way. Devour the pumpkin. You consider dining on the ripe flesh of the plump vegetable, but your curiosity about the purifier gets the better of you. You try to sneak a nibble from the pumpkin, nevertheless. Inspect the green buttons. Mm-hmm. You first examine the attractive green buttons. The icon for the one on the left is that house shape you've seen plenty of times before. The right one on closer inspection appears to be the map for this underground facility, with an X marking its center. Press the green button on the right. You push the button. All the numbers change. Perhaps these are the coordinates for the location of the center of this facility, along with the local date and time? If this is the case, it would make a useful reference point for your current bearings. Fiddle with the dials. One way to find out would be to attempt to purify something from this facility. It should be easy to zero in on a location relative to the center because you have an uncanny knack for tracking precise distances you've already traversed in whatever units you choose. Your handy ruler gives you a good clue as to the basic unit of human measurement. You'll go with that. Hmm. Purify your trusty knife. You nudge the coordinates very slightly and bump up the elevation by 0.5 human measurement units. You make sure to keep the time approximately what it was to begin with. You purify your trusty knife. A purify, can down. You nudge the numbers a bit more and a purify a bunch of cans. This is so much more efficient than walking back to the other room to get them. You are to believe the time is at a premium, after all. Deapurify the pumpkin. Does this machine look like a deapurifier to you? Honestly, the idea that an purifier could both purify and deapurify things is so laughably ridiculous, you wish someone would deapurify your brain and reapurify it with a brain that's more smart and less dumb. <laughs> Use trusty knife to carve spook schema in pumpkin. What the hell are you talking about? That idea makes no sense at all and is basically meaningless. Try using that mushy stuff in your gourd next time. The uh, spook schema was a thing in Problem Sleuth where they had a pumpkin 
that they could carve a shape into, and it would let them like transform temporarily. It was like a power up that they got. Oh, okay. Like they could like it was a Halloween joke thing. So like they would carve a vampire into it, and he'd turn into a vampire. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, instead you just carve off the top, exposing a decadent cache of gorgeous seed-laden ambrosia. Needless to say, you consume all of it rather quickly. But it turns out to be too gross for us to watch. Moose, spirograph, 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 switch. You can't move it. It has a spirograph-shaped indentation, and possibly will require a special kind of key to turn it. Purify firefly out of the amber. <gasps> yeah! <gasps> oh. oh boy! Oh look, he has a navi now. Yeah. Next. You release your blinky new friend. You'll give her a name when something suitably whimsical occurs to you. Adjust time dial to purify the rotten pumpkin. Back in the past, you and Serenity consider new ways to waste more time with the purifier. He he named the firefly Serenity. Do you get it? Yes, I get it. Do you get it? Yes, I don't. It's a it's a reference. I know, but I I we'll talk about that show one day. Okay. You're assuming she's a girl firefly, even though you're not really sure that fireflies can even be girls. You target the extremely tasty rotten pumpkin that was sitting in the other room hours ago. Next. It seems the purifier cannot purify something if it will create a time paradox. A gelatinous ghost pumpkin purifies and quickly dissolves into a pile of unappetizing sludge. I'll purify the grate over the entrance to the facility. Uh, I'm not going to bother looking up what the translation for that is, but Serenity blinks in Morse code. That's what all the dots and dashes are. Oh. It's it's usually nothing important. It's like, oh, she's probably saying, like, hurry up or something. Serenity blinks a message of urgency. You nearly forgot that while trapped in amber, she was witness to all your tomfoolery and dilly-dallying in the other room and knows the timer's about to expire. It's time to get this show on the road and escape. Serenity's keeping you in fucking check. Yeah. You reset the coordinates with the right green button again. And this time, only adjust the elevation by approximately 10 human measurement units. Next. Alright, he's free to go! Hasten to the exit. Post haste! Save the cans. Hurry up. Save the cans. Go save. All the cans, cause you're so cool, and you're gonna save the cans now, and it's gonna be great. Grab your trusty knife spear, grab your little pumpkin, shut up serenity, we gotta save the cans! Oh no! Oh wait. You attempt the rare and highly dangerous 5x cliffhanger combo, and fail. We're doing it, man. We're making this happen. This is it. This is the end of Act 2. Ascend.
meteor hit the Earth millions of years ago. Yeah, and it's making this island now. Yeah, and this frog temple. And there's only just now dinosaurs. Hmm. You know, Rose is some deep shit. Oh shit! That laboratory had a spider trap on it. Saving the mom. Or mom saving the kid, I guess. Yeah. And then it has the jerk sword. Oh shit! <laughs> oh yeah, it's Dave. There's Dave's bro. Hmm. Next. End of Act Two. We did it. We're two acts down. Only four to go. Let's take a quick break and let that settle in. Mike, hey, we finished two acts of Homestuck. Uh, yep, apparently we did. We did that. We've come so far. And then we deleted most of what we did, and we came far again. Yeah, I often come far. Well, uh, yeah. You know, maybe I think it would be a good idea at this point to take a moment to just sort of take stock and look back at all the... All the things we've done so far. Reflect. One, Reflect, one yeah. Maybe okay. get, get our thoughts in order, because going forward, as you already know, because you've already gone forward. I don't I don't really remember much of going forward. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, well, we, we did everything we're about to do again in a single day, so I, I don't blame you. I'm retaining things much better now, I think. Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah, that 10-hour that day was a big mistake, because I don't think you remembered anything that happened. Not a single thing. I think around, like, we started at 2 p.m., I think around 4 p.m., you were completely checked out. Asleep was yeah. the actual thing that was happening. I was asleep. I don't, well, I, okay, well, we're not going to get into it now. But uh, I have asked people to give us some questions for me to ask you about your thoughts and feelings on Homestuck so far. Okay. Uh, I have some also. Okay. Let's just start with a really general one. Just what's your general impression so far up through the end of Act 2? It's dumb. Okay, can you be more specific? Um, it's very... It, it's very good satire on dumb 
RPGs and adventure games. Okay. Uh, that that portion of it is really well done. I really like the silly decks. I really like uh the game. I feel like I would play Spurb as a game. Um, I don't know how I feel about the storyline of the comic yet, save for little bits here and there. Okay. There's things that I actively like or dislike. Alright, what are some examples of some things you... Let's start start with positive. What's some things you actively like about the story so far? Um, I feel like I like all of the things that are leading up to, like, John... John's being controlled, but he's not being controlled by Rose, like somebody's sending commands to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff is pretty good. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of just some of the weirder, like, game mechanic-y things that I like, like the sprites. I feel like, so far, that like, the Nana sprite, um... His, all we've seen her do is kind of like act like Navi and give information, but I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. there's, there's a hint of a higher purpose, I feel like, and I want to know what it is. Okay. Um, and I like Dave. He's pretty great. Yeah, Dave, Dave is pretty wonderful, and I think especially early on, he's kind of head and shoulders above everyone else. Yes, he's just an I, extremely yeah. well-crafted character, I think. I think as time goes on... Uh, the other characters kind of catch up to him a little, but Dave is consistently one of the best parts of the comic. That's good, because he is that right now, yes. Yeah. All right, so then let's switch over to what What do you not like so far? Um, so far, I'm all for repetitive jokes, but I feel like sometimes they just, they're done in a ham-fisted way, I guess. Okay, do you have an example? Um... Uh, for, for this, have we hit the Wayward Vagabond stuff yet? Yeah, yeah, we just did that, uh, that'll, that'll be in this episode, actually. We just finished that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the arms joke, when they did it for Wayward Vagabond, I just, I felt like, at some point, that joke had played itself out. Anything to do with yeah. arms. Um, I don't, I don't particularly like rose as a character yet like i understand what they were going for Uh uh-huh with her but i'm not sure i feel super invested like i I don't really care one way or another when we get to her stuff whereas with like dave and i guess sort of john too like actively interested in what's going on in their heads uh i get what he was trying to go for though it might just be a character that's just not for me yeah i think she rose is someone who definitely goes in a lot more interesting directions as time goes on. She hasn't really had a lot of time to do stuff. Pretty much everything she's done so far has been acting as a helper for John or just sort of acting in getting out of that forest fire and stuff. Okay. So she hasn't had a ton of opportunities to really sort of spread her wings as a character yet. Um, Okay. Yeah, I mean, really all we've had is, you know, her whole refrigerator fight with her mother. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I remember... mm. I uh I forgot to mention this when we were talking about things that I like, but all okay. the all the music in Homestuck is just really good. It's just yeah, definitely. It's like it's probably the best part of the comic for me. I think it's surprisingly, 
happy with all the music. In fact, I uh, I have I have this. What is that? My ringtone. Oh yeah, that's pretty great. I have the uh, music from the end of Act Three as my ringtone. So it's uh it's pretty good. It's all really good, and I'm kind of a sucker yeah. for chiptune music, so that's part of why I think. But okay. um, that stuff's cool. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint. I think I'm just undecided on it at this point. Uh, okay. Sometimes I feel like some of the interactive flashes that we haven't seen very many, but some of the interactive flashes that we've gone through, I just, they feel, I guess they're neat, but they feel just super unnecessary. I would have just rather read things. I really strongly agree with these early ones. He gets, I will tell you, he gets a lot better at those later on. Okay. The the are definitely it's something that he was experimenting with and he wasn't it was something kind of new and especially that one at the start of Act Two I mean we just skip most of it because it's just it's not as someone that thinks that Homestuck is amazing that Act Two flash interactive thing is not good yeah that's I think that's where I sit right now okay um, the uh, kind of conventional wisdom about Homestuck is that the end of Act Two is where you should hold out on. Uh, before you really pass any judgment on it, because uh, pretty much that end of Act Two animation showing all the crazy stuff with like Spurb, yeah, being in like millions of years in the past and shit is sort of the first hint at the overarching story, and it's kind of on a much smaller scope until that point. Yeah, which which is another thing that I think could be neat. Yeah, um, and that's also kind of the first um, more sophisticated animation. They're all kind of small scale until that point okay yeah yeah you know what that's true they were they were that's the first kind of like pretty long one right right and then from here on they're gonna get longer and longer and more involved and better Hmm. Hmm. all right let me go through some of these questions that i have gotten submitted from readers okay the very first one i've got is the most important question is what is your otp I don't I, know if you know what that abbreviation stands for or not. I, but I, I don't. Okay, well, you're about to learn. Um, it stands for One True Pairing. Okay. And it is what uh, fan fiction people use to refer to as the uh, relationship that you want to see happen above all of the others. Like, what romantic pairing like people do you who, want to see? Like, like people who go, fuck... Like, if you were going to write a romantic fan fiction based on Homestuck, which two characters would you pick? About, like, people who are going to fuck. Well, yeah, if you want to take it in that direction, sure. Uh, Dave's older brother and Rose's mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any basic, like, what? what's the reasoning for that? Dave's older brother's dope and Rose's mom is a MILF. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, when someone asked that, I suggested that you might put, you know... The Wandering Vagabond and Cans. That's true, um, but... They've got I, something special. I uh, I do not believe in polygamy, and there are a lot of Cans. And I don't, <laughs> think Wayward, I don't think Wayward Vagabond is ready or in a position to commit to one Can just yet. You think he's got a lot of growing up to do first? Yeah. I would say that if we're going to go that route, uh, Wayward Vagabond and Serenity, the Firefly. Could, yeah? Yeah, I could see that too. That'd be, you see that being, being a pairing? Yeah. 
Okay, well, I've got like another half hour of me and Mike talking about his opinions on Homestuck, but we are completely out of time. Uh, I might stick those into some kind of bonus podcast and just release them on the side or something. We'll see. Uh, Other than that, though, thanks for listening again. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, leave a review if you can. Uh, Follow Mike at JustBlaze on Twitter. And if you want to check out some other really great podcasts, go to Viking-Rocketship.com where uh, we've got Mike and I's other podcast, Audio Animal Crackers, which is more of a general interest thing, as well as a couple other podcasts that do not involve us. Um, We will be getting into Act 3 in the next podcast. Uh, We'll be meeting Jade Harley and all sorts of great stuff. So I will see you guys then.